Today on Parenting News and the Culture War, we're going to be talking about Legos, the Lego company actually, and what they've been promoting in the last few years that I didn't know about. I learned so much when I'm doing these Parenting News and the Culture War things. Um, also, we're going to talk about a man who exposed himself to uh, uh, women and girls in a spa. And I showed you that video, but I have a follow-up about that. So you're going to be interested in knowing about that. And a bill passed in California that protects pedophiles from, pro from prosecution for their attacks on minors. And you certainly want to know about that. I have a call for California parents, just saying. A school in Cleveland assigns a writing assignment to high schoolers that can include pornography. And there's some suggestions of different kinds of pornography type writing that they could do for this assignment. Um, and a mayor blasts them for that. So I have that video of that mayor, but also I have a follow-up to that. And last time on this new Parenting News in the Culture War, I talked about the White Privilege Conference. I didn't realize it had been going on, you know, and it's 23 years old this next coming. This last one would, would have been 22 years old in 2020 or 2021, I think. I don't know. Anyway, in 2022, it will be their 23rd conference. And we are definitely, I'm going to show you another clip from that white privilege conference and what they're teaching the teachers that are teaching the students and some of the students, they have students there too. And then um, we have dimwits and darlings, of course. So that's all coming right up. Okay, I'm glad you're here today. First, we're going to talk about a follow-up on what went on in Loudoun County, Virginia. Um, if you remember, there was a teacher who said he's not going to call girls boys and boys girls. He's not going to use pronouns that are going to do that because that's lying to students. He's not going to lie to students. He loves the students. He loves those who are struggling with gender issues, and he loves all of his students. He's not going to do that, and he's a Christian. He can't do that. And then he got fired. I told you about that. And then he was reinstated because um, that was overturned. And now in Loudoun County, they have passed this um, rule that the, the teachers have to call the students by the pronouns they prefer, meaning you, can, you have to lie to them if they want you to lie to them. And they can choose any pronoun they want. They can choose those made-up ones that have been made up, you know, in recent years to uh, describe all kinds of sexual preferences. And the teacher has to keep up with that as well. And if the student changes their mind next, next hour, then you got to call them something different, right? It's really ridiculous. Additionally, that boys can go into the girls' locker room if they so please, as long as they call themselves a trans pretender or transgender, as they say. Um, they can walk right into the girls' bathrooms and locker rooms, and the girls aren't going to be able to say anything about that. That's just ridiculous. The whole state of California is ridiculous. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But this is in Virginia. So my favorite podcaster, Matt Walsh, is going to have a rally next Tuesday, September 28th at 5 o'clock, and that will be in Ashburn, Virginia. So if you live in Virginia or live nearby and are able to get there, I hope you will. I hope you'll support him. He's going to go talk to the school board about this problem. And um, I'm sure that there's going to be quite a few people there. I hope that you'll go and support him. You know, it's really great when somebody's willing to stand up and say something that needs to be said. Good for him. But all of this shows that the culture war is really raging. And it's important that we keep up with what's going on. So the first thing I really wanted to cover today, other than the rally by Matt Walsh, is I wanted to talk to you about the Legos company. I wasn't aware of what had been going on with the Legos company. I have seven boys. They all loved Legos. I have a huge box of Legos downstairs. Those toys last forever. They hardly ever break. And so I have a lot of Legos downstairs that my grandkids play with. I think they're a great toy. But unfortunately, the Lego company has started to push the LGBT uh, agenda on kids. And I didn't know that. I'm, I haven't kept up with Legos in the last few years. But I want to show you a few pictures of the things that they've been pushing here. Um, some of the things that they have put out in the last few years. This one is Gay Pride House. And see, the ages are from 5 to 12 years old. 
obviously inappropriate. You can see that the guy has some, on, on the little figurine here, has some kind of the BDSM sort of thing looking on him. The, the kind of clothes he's wearing, it looks like to me. He's got the, the black leather stuff on and all that. Um, obviously completely inappropriate for children, but that's what the Lego company put out for ages 5 to 12. You'd think you'd be able to just trust a company that would be on a building blocks for children. Nope, you can't trust them either. And they've done some other things. Here's another set that they put out. And these are supposed to be characters that don't have any gender. And you can see some of them have that big hair like some of the drag queens have and that kind of thing. Um, they put that out for children as well. Same ages. These are ages 5 to 12, I believe, on, on that set. So also, they built, in June of 2019, they did the world's smallest pride parade at the Lego Discovery Center in Yonkers. And so it was the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising and for Pride Month. Legoland Discovery Center, Westchester in Yonkers did this and I'll show you a few pictures of that. They have this pride parade stuff. Again, this is marketed, Legos are marketed to young children. That's, you know, that's what they're about. And obviously they think this is fine to promote this kind of thing. Here's some pictures of it you can see, of the pride parade. It makes me wonder, why do they think parents think this is okay? Generally, I mean, Generally, do parents think this is okay and I'm just not with it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, but obviously they do. Uh, some people do. The entertainment center lined its Miniland Times Square streets with rainbow flags, pride and love is love floats, and a Stonewall 50 billboard. So I wanted to let you know this because Legos is coming out with a new set now. And it's of the Queer Eye group. If you don't know what the Queer Eye group is, it was a television show. And it was um, of these, I think there were four of them, guys who are gay. And the whole title of the program tells you that. Plus, they act rather flamboyant a lot of the time in order to push that whole idea. So the whole show, instead of just showing men how to dress, how to do their hair appropriately and groom themselves appropriately, how to decorate their apartment appropriately and that kind of stuff. Instead of just doing that, they have to push that these people are gay. And so now they're pushing that on children, the Legos company. Uh, here is their new set that's coming out, I believe in October. And I'm wondering to myself, why does the Lego company feel it's necessary to do that? I don't know. But I thought you might want to know that because if I had still had young boys and we were still buying Legos, I would be really concerned. And I certainly would be concerned about going to a Lego discovery center at this point. I would want to make sure they aren't going to display any of that kind of junk for my children to see. Uh, they don't need to be pushed into the that kind of lifestyle, that kind of thought. These are 5 to 12-year-olds that they're marketing the, this kind of thing to. I believe that most of the Legos are marketed to that age. And so why are they pushing this agenda on that age? They shouldn't be thinking about that kind of stuff anyway. But they are. They're trying to push it to make them think about it anyway. So frankly, the Lego, even though I like the Lego toys, not these toys, of course, but I like the Lego toys, I'm going to have to stamp the Lego company a nope. So next we have the follow-up about this man who exposed himself to women and girls in a spa in L.A. And this happened, I believe, oh, I think this happened last June, but I'm not really sure. I think it says in the article I'm going to tell you a little bit about. But this man exposed himself because he said he was a transgender. He walked into the women's section and just exposed himself to the women and girls. And there was a mom who I made her my darling parent on one of my parenting episodes because she didn't she wasn't having any of it 
She went to the manager or the people at the front desk. She said this is inappropriate. She was being um, disparaged by another customer there and being told that the, the staff can't do anything about it because that's the law in California. Huh, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Here is the video that I showed last time, just in case you didn't see it. We spa is an agreement with men that just say they are a woman and they can go down there with their penis and get into the women's section. Is that what you're saying? What, what, really? What law? What law? So women can go into the men's with their breasts. Okay. Yeah, you shouldn't. Y'all wouldn't come back either. Yeah, get your money back. You got a man with his penis talking about he's a woman. He ain't no woman. Uh-uh. Yeah, give her her money back. There's no such thing as transgender. He has a dick. Okay? He has a penis. He has penis is hanging out. Okay, no, I'm not one. Actually, I'm a woman who knows how to stand up and speak up for my right. As a woman, I have a right to feel comfortable without a man exposing himself, okay? No, you go somewhere else. Okay, so that's right. No, he's not a transgender. He has a penis, just like you do. You can see why I made her a darling parent. <laughs> she was not having it. She was not having it at all. And she was attacked by the media. Of course, the corporate media is going to attack her, which they did. They said she was transphobic, which is just a silly word that means nothing anymore. It just means that you don't agree that men can be women and women can be men. That's all that means. It doesn't mean anything about phobia, which is a fear. It, it doesn't mean that you hate people. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means that you don't agree that that's okay or that it's right or that it's true. And if you are, if you believe all those things, they call you this name that they think is horrible. Okay. So they called her this supposedly horrible name, you know, and they said that she was transphobic and being discriminatory against these, this man. And she's just saying, this is wrong. No, this is not a woman. He needs to go into the men's section. He shouldn't be in the women's section. He shouldn't be exposing himself to women and young girls. And everyone in the media was defending him, not her. They were defending him. And in fact, the staff at the Wee Spa were defending him, not her and the girls that were exposed to this. So as you would expect, something that you would expect and can think, oh, I bet there's something more to this story. Of course there is. This trans pretender who sparked a nationwide debate in June by entering a nude women's section of a Korean spa in Los Angeles turns out to be a registered sex offender who is facing separate charges and is under investigation by the LAPD. This man has been exposing himself to women long before the spa incident. He has been a sex offender for a long time. He has a long record of problems with that and behavior that is inappropriate. And that's not surprising, is it? That's not surprising at all. Investigative journalist Andy Gno, I don't know how to pronounce that, known for his coverage of Antifa riots, well, you'll find out why that is in just a minute, reported Thursday in the New York Post. Here's what he wrote. In June, a group of women complained that a person who identified as female, and I'm putting man there, exposed his penis at the Wee Spa in Los Angeles. The incident led to months of sometimes violent protests with media outlets declaring it an example of bias against the transgendered, or even that it didn't happen. Slate, which must be some kind of news outlet, I don't know, said it was, quote, transphobic hoax. There were media outlets that were suggesting that this was all a hoax and it didn't even happen. But on Monday, charges of indecent exposure were discreetly filed against a serial sex offender for the Wee Spa incident following an investigation by the Los Angeles Police Department. Now, you know what I wonder? I wonder how they could even have a case against this person. Darren Mirager... He's a 52-year-old who faces five charges of indecent exposure for this particular incident. 
And he has lots of other incidents in the past that he's been charged with. But for this incident, five, uh, five charges against him. And I'm wondering to myself, if the law is that a person who claims to be a transgender, meaning they're a man claiming to be a woman or vice versa, most of the time it's this way, wants to go in to the women's section and expose himself, why can't he do that? If the law is that it's okay for him to go into the women's section, why can't he? Okay, it's, it's, an, it's a place where there are people that are nude in that section. Now, I, I don't understand why women do that anyway. I'm just, let, this is a side note, okay? Here's a side note. I don't understand why women want to be naked in front of each other. I, I don't understand why they want to do that. I never wanted to do that. I, in, even in junior high, I was like, I don't want to get naked in front of my classmates. That's ridiculous. Like, we, want, we had to go get, take a shower after gym. Like, we had to do that. I was like, I don't want to get, I don't want to get naked in front of other people. I don't understand why anybody want to do that in the first place. Why they would find that to be enjoyable and go into a spa and doing that. I don't get that. But that's a side note. <laughs> that's just a side note about me. Um, but why do the prosecutors believe they have a case here? The law is that a transgender can go into the section that they want to. And if they can, and everybody in there is allowed to be nude, then why can't he go do that? <laughs> Obviously, I'm not arguing that it's okay that this is the law, but I'm wondering what's their argument going to be? I don't know. The original controversy came to national attention when a woman posted a video of herself confronting the spa staff over the incident, which you just saw. The spa's management said they could not remove the, quote, trans woman due to California anti-discrimination laws. Some women protested against allowing biological males in the women's section of the spa, but were attacked by Antifa counter uh, demonstrators. This is why I said earlier, you're going to see why this this reporter was even there. There was violence at several subsequent demonstrations and police made dozens of arrests. The culture war is really raging here, people. It really is. The local media led by the Los Angeles Times took the side of the tra quote trans woman against the women who were protesting the loss of a space in which they formerly could relax. The spa has a separate men's side and is open to people of all ages. Now, the Times wrote this. Listen to this. The New York Times. I'm assuming that's what they mean by Times here. Oh, it could be the Los Angeles Times. I don't know. It just says the Times. There is no doubt that We Spa did the right thing in defending the right of a transgender customer to be nude in the women's area, even though the sight of a male appearing genitalia discomfited at least one male customer who complained at the front desk. As a public service business, We Spa had to follow California law forbidding discrimination against transgender people. That's what was written in the Times. So in other words, the Times is defending the spa for allowing a man to go and expose himself to girls in the women's section. That's, that's what they're doing. So here's what I have to say to parents of California. It's time to move. And I'm going to give you another example of why it's time to move out of California. If they are going to defend this, and I'm not just talking about the government or the police department or whatever, because supposedly the police department is going to charge the, or has charged this man, who they cannot find, by the way. He's on the run, I guess. They're going to charge this man, but I cannot see how they have a defense. I mean, I cannot see how they are able to charge him with the laws that they put in place. I, I, don't, I don't see how they can. And that's a problem. But not only is this a problem in California... There was also another bill that was signed by Governor Newsom um, that protects pedophiles in that state. And I'm going to talk to you about that here in just a minute. Here is a picture, by the way, of Darren Marager. He's the man who exposed himself 
to women and girls in that spa. But there's his picture. He is 52 years old and he is wanted at this point. Not sure what they're going to do when they catch him. I guess they'll arrest him, take him to trial or something, and then the, de the defense lawyers are going to have all kinds of things to say. What's wrong with this? Here's the law. I don't know. It's just, I don't get it. So back to the bill that Governor Newsom signed. Here is the legislator. His name is Scott Weiner. And I wonder if you can pick him out of that crowd. Those are his buds, obviously. And he is the one who's representing California. So uh, I want, I mean, he's a representative in California. That's what I should have said. He is a California state senator. That's, that's who Scott Weiner is. He introduced a bill, and it was signed by Governor Newsom, that protects pedophiles in California. Another reason to move out of California, isn't it? Here it is. Uh, this is from Law Enforcement Today, an editorial. California State Senator Scott Weiner authored Bill SB 145, and it passed, and Governor Newsom signed it. The bill has more than a few people concerned because of the protection it provides to pedophiles. You are not going to believe this. If you didn't know this already, you're just not going to believe this. It's hard for me to believe that there are enough people in one place that would think this is okay and then vote that this is okay. Wiener's bill would change how the sex offender registry treats gay relationships between young adults and minors. This would mean sexual relationships between boys as young as eight years old and 18 year old young men. Another way to put that is statutory rape. It would change the way that this is handled. So let's see what that means. There is uh, the California Penal Code says before this bill went in, uh, into effect, if an offender is no more than 10 years older than a minor victim and commits, quote, certain acts against the victim, they must register with the state as a sex offender. State Senator Weiner, who is openly gay, views this language of the Sex Offender Registration Act discriminatory against members of the LGBT community. So I'm wondering to myself, why is he even looking that up? Because this is a part of his life. This is, this is the kind of life he lives. This is what's important to him. That's why. That's why he's looking it up. That's why he's even concerned with it, because he has these kind of people coming to him and saying, but wait a minute. If we are abusing young people, we get harsher sentences. It's not, it's not fair that we're treated badly. So this guy goes and presents a bill to the California legislature. Legislature. Senator Weiner, who's openly gay, used this language of the sex offender registration discriminatory against members of the LGBT community. This is because the certain acts are more likely to be committed by homosexual offenders. And acts not covered are unique to heterosexual assaults involving a male offender and female victim of statutory rape. To remedy this, Wiener's bill states that without limitation, if the age of a minor victim and the offender are no more than 10 years apart, the offender does not have to register as a sexual offender, provided it is a first known offense and other criteria does not apply. For instance, force or violence was not used. So if they talk the victim into a sexual act, and so it's not forced, right, then, then it's okay and they don't have to uh, register as a sex offender. Because, you know, it's, it's difficult to coerce a young child into doing something, right? So that's not likely going to happen, right? <laughs> a companion bill written by Wiener, SB 384, also passed recently to take effect on the same date, which was actually in January, I believe. That bill allows sex offenders... Convicted of offenses against minors to petition for removal from the sex offender registry after 10 years. So he wants to make sure that they don't have to be on the sex offender registry for the rest of their life. It doesn't matter if this affected the person that they offended for the rest of their life. They want, he wants to make sure and protect those offenders, right? 
SB 3484 does not mandate lifetime registration for lewd and lascivious conduct with a child under 14 years of age. Yet, inexplicably, such conduct with a child over 14 somehow does require automatic lifetime registration. It's an illogical aspect of the bill that has somehow managed to fly under the radar. So SB 145 allows a 19-year-old who rapes a 9-year-old, they will not have to register as a sex offender. According to Wiener, his agenda is simply to the protection and support of California's LGBT community. So he's more concerned with the LGBT community. Just like at the spa, they're more concerned with the transgender or trans pretender. They're more concerned about the trans pretender's feelings. That's, that's the feelings that matter. They want to protect that, those, those people who behave that way. Those people matter more than everybody else in society. Those people are the ones who matter. Just like to this man, uh, Senator Weiner, what matters more is protecting the LGBT community. It is, doesn't matter about those that they are offending, okay? Because he's got to get his priorities in order here, right? To be clear, Weiner is the same senator who wants to make sure that men sentenced to prison get to pick whether they want to be in a men's or women's prison. Biological men who have been sentenced to prison may soon have the ability to identify as a woman and be placed in a woman's prison. And soon is like, that's already passed. I think that's already happening anyway. California Democratic State Senators Scott Weiner, Kathleen Galgiani, and Assemblymember Mark Stone sponsored SB 132, which basically allows for bi biological men to inform prisoner workers of the preferred, their preferred gender. By doing so, it allows the person to be assigned to a prison population of their choice, either men's or women's. The bill requires the State Department of Corrections to ask incoming prisoners during the intake process in a private setting what their biological gender is as well as which one they identify with a place with at placement. We have to be really careful that those who are being uh, taken into prison for sex offenses or any other offenses for that matter, but especially for sex offenses, um, we need to make sure that they're comfortable in which section they're in, regardless of whether it makes other people comfortable. Because again, if they're a trans pretender, they're above all the rest of us. All of their needs, all of their wants, all of their desires need to be accommodated regardless of how the rest of us feel, regardless of whether it puts women and girls and young men as well in danger. So what, right? As long as the trans pretenders feel good and they're comfortable, that's all that matters, at least according to the state of California. So here's the thing. I wanted to say, in my opinion, move out of California. If you have children, your children are not safe in that state. That's just it. And if you are accused of some kind of a crime and you end up having to go to jail for some reason, you want to be in a jail in California? Because if you're a woman, you could get raped and you could be impregnated by another inmate. If they decide that they want to say that they're um, women and they're in your cell with you and you're locked in there with them, they can pretty much do what they want, can't they? And that has happened, okay? That, that has happened. If your child is accused of something and, and they end up being in jail for some reason, they could be in that same situation. You need to move out of California. If, and this is parenting news for you. All parents with children need to move out of California. That's, that's the news. Okay, that, that's my opinion anyway. And I think if you are going to be uh, worried about the safety of your children, not being in California would be just a really good step. And that's not just, that's not just about safety as far as physical safety. That's, I'm not saying that anywhere is completely safe again in the culture war. Because there are battles raging everywhere. And your children will probably get caught up them in them in some way. But you don't put them right in the middle of it where all of it is raging every day, even in the government, and they're passing laws that put your, you, your children, 
especially girls and women and young men, in danger. That's, that's not a place to be. So next I want to talk about a culture warrior, and this is a mayor in Cleveland. He is a culture warrior, and there was a writing assignment given to high schoolers in Cleveland, and they had 600 and something different subjects that they could use. They were suggestions on what they might use to write um, their writing assignment and what their theme might be and what could, they could put in their mind in order to write out their assignment for um, this class. And I want to read you some of the things that were in the assignment as possible, possible themes for their writing assignment. Here are some of them. Choose how you will die. Write a scene that begins, it was the first time I killed a man. Describe your favorite part of a man's body using only verbs. You have a dream that you've murdered someone. Who is it? How and why did the murder happen? And what happens afterward? You are a serial killer. What TV shows are on your DVR list? Why? The kill fee. That's another one. And I assume that means you would write what kind of fee that you would charge to kill someone. I guess. Write a sex scene that you wouldn't show your mom. Rewrite the sex scene from above into one that you'd let your mom read. You have just been caught in bed by a jealous spouse. How will you talk your way out of this? Write a sermon for a beloved preacher who has been caught in a sex scandal. Describe a time when you wanted to orgasm but couldn't. 10 euphemisms for sex. You are a brand new suicide hotline counselor. Describe how you feel during the course of your first call. Write a letter from the point of view of a drug addict. Drink a beer. Write about the taste. This is high school students, okay? High school students, they're saying drink a beer, write about the taste. Write an X-rated Disney scenario. A room full of people who want to sleep together. The first time you had sex. Those are a list of some of the things that were found in a larger list of things that they could write about for their writing assignment. And this was for a high school class that could also, was getting college credit. So this same assignment was given to college students in the college class but the high school students were taking the class for college credit. The mayor of Cleveland said, this is completely inappropriate that these things were given to high schoolers as a possibility to write for a writing assignment. And here's how he addressed the school board. You're gonna find this very, very good. Listen. My name is Craig Schubert. I'm the mayor of this city. It has come to my attention that your educators are distributing essentially what is child pornography in the classroom. I've spoken to a judge this evening. She's already confirmed that. So I'm going to give you a simple choice. You either choose to resign from this Board of Education or you will be charged. Thank you. Well, he just said it straightforward, didn't he? I'm glad he talked to a judge. I'm glad he was willing to put himself out there and say this is inappropriate and, and address the board that way. Unfortunately, the board did not choose to resign. Uh, David Zura, president of the School Board of Education, indicated in a statement that no one plans to resign. While we respect the mayor's position with the city of Hudson, in accordance to the state laws of Ohio, the supervision of the public schools of this district is, is the responsibility of the Board of Education, said Zero in a statement. At this time, no Board of Education member has indicated any intention to resign. Now, this is interesting. A local police officer, Eric Durker, said cameras should be installed at Hudson High School to monitor teachers as law enforcement is required, the same way law enforcement is required, which we've talked about that on this show before. Why aren't there cameras in the classroom? There should be. Police officers wear body cameras to monitor their behavior, and they have brief interactions with the public. 
You guys have our kids all day, and we don't know what's going on in classrooms, the officer said at the meeting. Cleveland.com reported, I demand that there be cameras in classrooms as a matter of public record that we can pull and view what is being taught to our kids and what is being said to our kids. Now, I've said that before. I agree with that. I agree that there should be. Um, There's a question about when the parents should be able to see it. Should they be able to see it live? Should they be able to see it as an archived situation where they can go back to any day and look at it? And I think I'm, I'm one of the people that think the latter is better for safety and privacy issues. Um, but yes, I, I have to agree with that. This is the kind of thing as to why parents are starting to pull their children out of public school and why they're finding one thing after another that is completely inappropriate. Can you believe they would have one of the things, drink a beer to underage kids? That's a possibility of their writing assignment. My goodness, that is just crazy. Anyway, I really loved the way this mayor just addressed this. He was straightforward. He did a little bit of pre-preparation, I should say, for his speech there by talking to a judge first. Uh, he obviously looked over what the, what was going on with the whole situation, and then he talked to a judge about it. Good for him. And so I'm going to have to stamp him a culture warrior. Something else I wanted to say about this story with the mayor is the uh, there was a quote from a pro- the prosecutor. Um, These allegations have resulted in threats being made against board members, faculty, and administrators in Hudson. Those threats must stop. So the prosecutor is defending the school board here. Under Ohio law, a prompt about a fictional writing is not child pornography. Think about that for a moment. No matter what they say to the child to prompt them in their writing, it's not child pornography. We will review this matter and determine if there is a factual basis that any laws were broken either by the writing prompts or the threats that have been made. So in other words, what she's doing is saying, yeah, we might prosecute those people who are threatening the school board. Now, I don't think the school board should be threatened, but she certainly is quicker to think about that being a problem than about whether or not pornography is being pushed upon the students or the thoughts of pornographic things are being pushed upon the students. Now think about this for a minute. Just think about this for a minute. Let's say this isn't a writing assignment. Let's just say it's, it's a, this is something that Matt Walsh pointed out, which I really appreciated him pointing this out. Think about this. If there was just a random person that goes up to your child and says, write a sex scene, you wouldn't show your mom. What if he said that? Would that be indecent? Would that be appropriate for him to be able to say that? Would you consider that there's no pornography involved in that kind of a a thing with a child, saying that kind of thing to a child? What about if a man came up to your child and said, describe your favorite part of a man's body using only verbs? Would that be okay? Well, they're saying it's okay as long as it's a teacher that's, that's saying this to the children. As long as it's a teacher in a classroom and they're saying, write an assignment about it, then it's okay. It's okay to present that to children. That's fine. What about 10 euphemisms for sex? So some random person just comes up to your child and says that. Is that okay? Well, obviously, according to the, according to the prosecutor, that isn't, pro, that isn't pornography it, as long as the teacher's the one saying it. As long as the teacher's the one handing out this assignment and these things are in it as possibles, then it's not pornography. So why wouldn't it be okay if somebody out on the street says it then? It is child pornography. It is. It is pushing sexual things upon children. And it doesn't matter if it's a teacher. It doesn't matter who it is. That's not appropriate. And it's wrong. And they should be prosecuted for passing that kind of assignment out to the students. It's ridiculous that Prosecutor Sherry Bevan Walsh, poor Matt, it's the same last name. (laughs) Prosecutor Sherry Bevan Walsh is the one who is saying that this is not pornography for a student to be given this by a teacher. 
And obviously she's more concerned with threats being made towards those people who are doing it than uh, about the people doing it to the children. There you go. I hope parents really think about this stuff. Because th this culture war is going on and you've got to stand up and you've got to be strong and you've got to do what needs to be done to protect your children. You can win this if you're willing to stand up and start protecting your children against what's going on in these and being informed about what's going on. I hope that I'm helping some of you be informed of that. I mean, some of these things, like you said, I, I'm still learning some of these things. I didn't know the thing about the Legos, for instance. I didn't know that. Now, last time when I did a parenting news set, um, video, I did talk about the white privilege conference that is going on. And I didn't know anything about this until someone saw my parenting news in the culture war and wrote me and said, do you know about this white privilege conference thing? I didn't have any idea. Didn't know a thing about it. Have never heard of it. Well, it's going to be the 23rd year they've had one of these conferences. And I showed you a clip from the first part of their investigative report into this white privilege conference and what they were teaching the teachers and the students at this conference. And these are this is a conference from all over the country where they're teaching basically critical race theory and they're teaching against the United States and its history to educators and students. So this is another clip from this series and this is on Progressives Today. That's their YouTube channel, Progressives Today. And I took their second video about this conference and I, I have a few clips here I want to show you and then we'll talk about them. So what do I mean by Christian hegemony? Uh, very simply, I define it as the everyday, pervasive, deep-seated, and institutionalized dominance of Christian values, Christian institutions, leaders, and Christians as a group primarily for the benefit of Christian ruling elites. So it, that's very similar to how we might define racism or sexism or um, other systems of oppression. Her workshop on critical race theory, Professor Wing urges educators to consider what limits should be placed on freedom of speech. The United States has the most open notion of freedom of speech in the world. Many countries of the world, in Western countries, for instance, in Germany, you cannot talk about the Nazis. In the U.S., you can talk about the Nazis. Not in Germany. You can't buy Nazi memorabilia. Not in Germany. In South Africa, you can't talk about apartheid that you want apartheid. So even in Western liberal uh, democracies, there will be there's certain things we do not do and we do not say because they do hurt people and can lead people through those words to even commit crimes against other people. But in the U.S., because of our understanding of this, this terminology, we end up allowing so much language that is incredibly hurtful and painful, feeds into the stereotypes, etc. So how would we work on that, on the local, state, national, and international level? While most workshops were open to all conference attendees, some events were limited to either whites only or to those who identified as people of color. Challenges to this racial segregation, a long tradition at the WPC, were not well received by conference organizers. You asked me to leave. I, I did feel singled out and pressured when you were staring at me as you were walking out the door. Yeah, the problem is because this is a white supremacist and white privilege-based society, and that white privilege and racism manifests itself here throughout the day as well, Mm -hmm. People of color feel they need to have a safe space among themselves at the end of the day to kind of debrief the emotion and the suffering and the pain in which they've experienced even throughout the day. I just have two questions. One, do you think that racism could be defined as uh, discrimination against somebody based off the color of their skin? No. No? Well, how would you no, define racism? I would define that as discrimination. Racism is, is discrimination plus a, an institutionalized system of power. And so well, that would I still be, not, okay, and a racist action would be 
uh, discriminating against somebody because of in our nation racism white people do not experience racism white people can experience discrimination but not white not racism and do you think that's how I define as a sociologist and would you would you define discrimination as something intrinsically bad no I wouldn't say it's intrinsically bad because we discriminate all the time in our daily life who we Mm -hmm. want to be friends discriminating based off of skin color we want to live on discriminating based off of skin color there are times is that intrinsically bad? No, not, no, no, I don't think anything's intrinsically bad. As a sociologist, I think context means everything. History and context. And mm. in some contexts, I think some things Rape are appropriate. In other contexts, it's not. Wow. According to this sociologist, she wanted to point out that she was, rape is not intrinsically bad. Oh, wow. So in that clip, you saw that at this conference... They're teaching that Christianity is oppressive. Christians are oppressors then. Wouldn't that make sense? Wouldn't that be saying that Christians are oppressors? I, I think that's what it's saying. All capitalism is a form of racism. They Now, I, I didn't show everything. I only showed clips. I, I know the first time I wanted to show this um, conference on my last show, I had my first clip was like 12 minutes long. Because <laughs> like, oh, everything I want to show. And I thought, no, I can't do that. So I cut it way, way down. This is the same time. I tried to cut it way down and I was like at six minutes. So I was like, oh, I can't show that much of it. So I cut it way down. But you guys can go to their YouTube channel, progressivestoday.com and see these for yourself. See the whole thing. But what it's, what they're saying in this part too, Christians are oppressors, basically. All capitalism is a form of racism. They say that in this too. They teach the, the educators that. All people who send kids to private schools or live in gated communities are racist. That's what the professor who's teaching one of the classes tells. And in fact, one of the investigators asks a question about that and he clarifies. Yes, those are all oppressors. They're all racists that live in gated communities. They also call for getting rid of the entire U.S. system of government. They call it the system of white privilege. And they complain about Obama being the blackface in a white system of oppression. So in other words, if that's the case, what they're saying is they need to get rid of the entire government and the entire setup in order for it not to be white. Even Because even if a black person comes in and is in charge of it, that doesn't matter because it's still white, right? So they're basically calling for over, overtaking the entire government and system and, and getting rid of it. That's what they're calling for. Now, if you noticed in this clip, I showed that they're also talking about freedom of speech, that the United States is one of these weird countries that has freedom of speech. I mean, if you look at Germany or you look at some of the African countries, they they can't, they don't have freedom of speech because freedom of speech hurts people. But if you notice, and, and she calls for how can we get rid of it? That's, that's what she's saying. If you, if you watch the whole thing. But I think it's interesting that she wasn't understanding what she was the point she was making because if she was making the point that in Germany they aren't allowed to talk about the Nazis or have Nazi paraphernalia or anything like that for sale or anything and and then she's saying in Africa they aren't allowed to talk about apartheid or anything and she's acting like that's good that they aren't allowed to talk about that stuff then why is she saying that in the United States, they should, we should be able to talk about our history. That's bad. That doesn't go together what she's saying. What she's saying is if you're in Africa, you should not be able to talk about apartheid and that's a good thing. And if you're in Germany, you should not be able to talk about Nazis or, or have Nazi paraphernalia or anything like that. And she's saying that's a good thing. And of course, I'm not for apartheid and I'm not for Nazis either, but I am for freedom of speech. Okay. So if, we go down this logic with her, then is she saying, therefore, that in the United States, we shouldn't be able to talk about the oppression that the slaves were under? We shouldn't be able to talk about slavery then, right? Oh, no, no, that's not what she means, of course, because this whole conference is suggesting that the United States is all white oppressors over black and other people of color calling them the oppressed. And that the way that we know this is by looking at history. Now, is that hurting people to say that? Of course it is. <laughs> but if, if any of it is true, 
which I, I would have to say that the United States is not based on racism. That's not what it was based on. In fact, it's based on not being racist and not being discriminative, uh, discriminatory. And it is based on everyone having the same freedoms and the same rights. And in fact, within a very short period of time after the United States was formed, we got rid of slavery and we've worked and worked and worked to try to make it even for everyone. And it was getting to that point. It was getting to that point and now it's turning over the other way where now we're trying to oppress the white people. <laughs> Why don't we just not oppress anybody? Why don't we just make it even for everybody? Then at this conference, they also have sessions that are racist in themselves, which you saw. They had, all the white people had to leave the room and they weren't allowed to be in there. That is racist. And she, she said she wants to clarify that she's a sociologist. And according to her, white people are the only ones who can be racist. Black people cannot be racist. <laughs> and so they redefine the word racism to mean it has to be a whole system. So one person can't be racist then, I guess, because how can that one person be racist if it has to be a, a whole system? It isn't about that at all. It's about moving the narrative wherever they want it to be at the moment, right? Racism is what that, that investigator said. It is discriminating against someone based on this color of their skin. That's what it is. I, I have to say it's also, or their heritage, because let's say in Jews, okay, a lot of the Jews were white and the Nazis were against the Jews. So, you know, it's not always the color of their skin, but it's about their race, right? Racism is discriminating against someone because of their race, no matter what their race is. And now they're trying to redefine that so that whites always are racist and blacks never are racist. And that's just not true. That's just not true. But that's what they're teaching at this conference to educators and to students. And so again, just like I called for in the last Parenting News in the Culture War, I want to call any people who have children going to public school, you need to find out whether your school has sent teachers or students to this conference. Because this is a conference for people from all over the United States. Okay, there, there are large groups of people going from different school districts to this conference. Their next conference is in Charlotte, North Carolina, March 9th through 12th in 2022. Their next big conference is then. I hope that there are parents and teachers and students who will go protest this. I really hope so. And if there are, and you are listening to me, I really hope that you'll send me some footage of the protests going on because there should be protests for this. This is absolutely wrong for conferences like this to be going on and teaching our educators how to indoctrinate our students in the United States. Absolutely wrong. This should not be going on. And so I hope that some of you parents will take on this battle, be that culture warrior, and go and find out if you're, anybody from your school districts are going to this conference. And if you're able, if you are able to be in Charlotte, North Carolina, March 9th through 12th of 2022, I hope that you'll be a part of a protest that someone there needs to organize. I wish I was able to do that. I, I don't have the means. I don't have the means to do it, but if I did, I would. So if you are in short Charlotte, North Carolina, I hope that you will be a part of getting a rally going, getting a march going, getting a protest going against this critical race theory conference is basically what it is. Uh, that's going to go on March 9th through 12th in 2022. So next we're going to have Dimwits and Darlings. my dimwit parent for today is on here because last time I talked about Jimmy Kimmel being my dimwit parent. And the reason he was my dimwit parent is because he encourages people to use their children's innocence and stir their emotions up in bad ways to make them very upset and to cry in order for this to be entertaining to the adults. It's, that's just wrong. It's just wrong. And it makes me very mad when he does that or anyone does that. But there's more to it, too, that people do, especially around this time of year. They think it's funny to stir up horror in children. 
to make children very scared and have scared reactions to things. And then they watch and laugh at it. And you know, I find anytime someone uses a child's emotions in a way that makes them scared or angry or sad, and then they laugh about it, I think that's abusive. It's not right. Now, the first reason that this parent is a dimwit parent is because they have a little toddler and they're taking them into basically a shop with all kinds of horror stuff, you can tell. That's not appropriate for anyone, but let's say you think it's okay. It's not appropriate for a toddler. They don't need to have those kind of images in their mind and they don't need to be afraid like that. And it's not funny when you make them afraid. So this was a little TikTok video of someone using their child in that way, putting them in a position that they knew they were going to be really frightened all of a sudden and thinking that's funny. And I think that's disgusting. And so I want you to see what I'm talking about. This mom or dad, I'm assuming it was mom or dad, knew that their toddler was going up to something that was going to scare them terribly. And they thought, oh, this will be really fun. And they take their video and they place their child in a place where they're going to be going up to it so that they think it can film them being horrified. And then they think that's just really funny. I think that's really abusive. And anyone who would do that to their child is a dimwit parent. So although I don't have the dimwit parents um, picture on here, this was a dimwit episode of dimwit parenting. So what this parent or mom or dad had to do in order to make that video was they had to think about how they can set up their little toddler child who is obviously a sweet little baby in a situation where they were going to be walking up to something that would terribly frighten them and horrify them. And so they set their baby in that place. They turn on their camera so they can catch it. And they let their little innocent child walk up to something that's going to frighten them terribly for their own entertainment and for the entertainment of anybody who might want to watch. And then they film it and put it out on TikTok. That is a dimwit parent to me. That's a dimwit parent thing to do. If you're using your child for entertainment in the way that you're making their emotions to where they're afraid or they're angry or they're sad, and you try to push the, put those emotions into them in order for you to enjoy it and laugh and have friends laugh or other people laugh at them, that is abusive. And so this is definitely a dimwit parent. I think you can tell that I get pretty aggravated at that. <laughs> I, I just, parents should never do that to their children. Never use their children's emotions in that kind of a way. Now, it's one thing if you're using your emotions by you're giving them something that you know they're going to be really happy at and you want to film them as they're, they're seeing that really, you know, joyful, happy situation. That's fine. But when you're hurting them by making them afraid, sad, or angry or something for your entertainment, that's just wrong and it's abusive. So uh, any parents that do that, you're being a dimwit parent if you are, so don't do it. <laughs> there you go. That's from me, the mommy answer lady. Don't do that to your children. All right. This next one is a darling, and this is a mom who found um, some inappropriate things in school in her in the children's middle school books and she wanted to take it to the board and she did and she was very straightforward it's a little bit graphic here and there but you know in war sometimes you have to be really straightforward and strong and this is a culture war and so this is a darling mom who said this is inappropriate i'm going to take it to the school board and she did carabelle and then marge stone all right, well, I'm just thankful that y'all don't have the ability to um, make a mask mandate. And tonight I was going to talk about the need for a second high school, but I was sidetracked by, for the boys, pussy or the idea of pussy or the idea of 
idea of pussy. A Mexican is a Mexican is a Mexican. Take her out back, we boys figured, then hand on the titties. Put it in her coin box, put it in her cornhole, grab a hold of that braid, rub that calico. You can find that on page 39 of the book called Out of Darkness, which you can find at Hudson Bend Middle School and Bee Cave Middle School. All right, not going to lie, I had to Google cornhole because I have the game in the back of my yard. But according to Wikipedia, cornhole is a sexualist slang vulgarism for anus. The term came into the use in the 1910s of the United States as verb form to cornhole, which came into usage in the 1930s, means to have anal sex. I do not want my children to learn Thank about you. anal sex in middle school. I have never had anal sex. Thank I don't you. want to have anal sex. I don't want my Lord kids having anal Stone. sex. I want you to start focusing on education and not public Earth. health. Stone, not public you're health on. Officials. You are supposed to be educating our children. Do not Okay, guys, that's it for today, but I do want to ask you to please remember to subscribe and like and comment. I do need your help in that way, so I hope you'll do that. Parents, we can win this. Thanks for watching.